Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. If you're a real culture geek like I am, there are a few companies that are just always on your radar. Organizations that think differently, put their people first, and in many ways set the trends for how we think about workplace culture. One of those companies that I've learned lots from over the years is Buffer, who very famously set a transparent salary policy. And I'd be lying to say if I hadn't learned Uh, from much of their great work over the years and implemented some of it at Charlie ourselves. And yet again, in 2021, we find ourselves uh, learning from Buffer as they chart new territory and try new things and continue to experiment with their culture and uh, their ways of working, this time in the form of the four-day work week. So to unpack that today with me, I am very excited to welcome Nicole Miller, People Operations Manager at Buffer. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. No worries. So um, let's just introduce what Buffer do as a business to maybe some of our listeners who um, who, who haven't heard of, of you guys. Yeah, definitely. Buffer is an online platform for businesses to market online, on social media, and um, we have been around for about 10 years now and fully remote the entire time. Very cool. And um, your journey into Buffer and the roles that you've done uh, there, I think, is, is a super interesting journey. You know, you, you didn't start out uh, in the kind of people operations space. So tell us a little bit about um, the different roles you've done and, and how you kind of found your way into the people ops space. Yeah, definitely. So I found Buffer back in 2012, really early when back then it was just a way to sort of space out your tweets or your Facebook posts. And I was working in marketing at a local university and uh, my goal had been to work from home. And I thought that the only way that that could happen was to sort of have my own business and freelance, um, had no idea about remote work as a as a as a way of the future at all for for regular companies. So I had been using Buffer to market my own side business while working full-time and um, found um, just found the tool so useful. I didn't know anything about the company itself. I just love the product. And so I was upgrading from what was then the free plan to what they called awesome plan and um, I saw a job opening and was like, oh, that's really cool. It, it's fully remote. That's that's strange. Um, it was totally one of those, um, may as well give it a shot. Let's just throw my application in there. Um, I just gave very vulnerable, honest responses. It was just like an email application. It was very informal. And I had no idea, essentially, that um, 3,000 other people had applied for that you know, individual role. And somehow... Uh, everything clicked and um, there seemed to be just a good values alignment there and um, ended up interviewing and started out in a community position at Buffer. Um, And we were about 25 teammates back then. And as we grew and as the product changed, as the the team changed, we sort of realized that uh, we maybe needed a central HR 
uh, people team component. And um, so I took the journey from what I see as external community building to internal community building. And so I helped create some of our HR policies, like our family leave policy. And um, I've helped plan retreats and helped um, kind of implement other different things along the way. Um, and yeah, helping kind of implement the four-day work week has been one of my latest projects. Very cool. And I love um, I love what you said there about internal community and, and that switch between focusing on external community and, and almost how seamless that is. And that's such a pure way of thinking about uh, HR people roles is internal community. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it changes the focus from being maybe compliance based, which is still important to um, more of a customer support, you know, organization where your customers are your teammates and the company. So you have to balance both of those. There's a, there's a great, um, there's a great quote from one of the Basecamp founders and he was being, I can't remember which one it was. And he was being interviewed by um, Lars Schmidt, who's a kind of HR influencer. He probably seen online, just written a new book called Redefining HR. And he says, is it human resources or resources for humans? Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's powerful. Quite profound. Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> um, so let's talk about the four-day work week. And what I'd love for you to do to our listeners is just kind of set up the premise, set up the context of uh, where the business was and where the idea for this came from. Definitely. So we uh, had toyed with the idea for a four-day work week probably well back into late 2018 and through 2019. It was one of those things that sort of popped up in the news as like, this company's trying this. And um, our teammates have always been quick to say, hey, look at this trend. Can we try it? Um, which is really special and fun. Um, we also always approach things with a very experimental mindset. So we'll probably give most any tool a try for a couple of weeks and see if it fits. And if not, we'll move on and, and sim- similar to some of these policies. So in 2019, during the summer, we tried a version of this where it was essentially half Fridays in August, like summer Fridays, we called it, to where we just experimented with how this felt and, and implementing it and the impact it had on our customers and especially our customer support team, um, because of course we want to keep delivering um uh, a, a good support to to our customers who aren't working four and a half days that week. So um, it went okay. We didn't see strong benefits and we saw a little bit more of uh, hesitation around it because it maybe wasn't implemented at the right place at the right time. And so, um, so we kind of put that from our minds for a while and then come into 2020 and um, with the outbreak of COVID-19 and when uh, lockdowns began to happen um, and schools especially were being shut down, we as an HR team really looked at our team and asked them what they needed. We did a ton of surveys and we always do a lot of surveys to really get to the root of what would support our team in a time like this, um, we had a major benefit in that our team was already fully distributed and fully remote. And so unlike a lot of other companies who maybe had to adapt to going remote, we we, we saw the need to maybe think even beyond our already existing benefits and see what people could maybe use to, to support them. 
And one of the things that we found in our surveys that was really, I think, surprising to us, um, we asked parents in particular, like, what would help? Like, maybe is it a stipend? Is it um, is it time off? Is it, um, you know, maybe educational materials or like a Netflix subscription? Like, what is it that we can do to help? Like, we, we were trying to, you know, reach for anything. And overwhelmingly, the data we got back was that people wanted more time, like flexibility in their scheduling, time off, um, especially sort of balancing all of these new routines that upended their, their work day. And so that's when the idea of a four-day work, we kind of floated back into the, the forefront because it came up as a tool to help give a little bit more balance um, during a very stressful time. And so we went into the month of May in 2020 um, saying that we would do a four-day work week. And it looked very different as to how it looks now um, and how it looked later in 2020. But we essentially said each area can decide. And so every, like all engineering should take the same day off that week and all advocacy can do whatever they need to do to make it to make it work. Um, and that this was intentionally about mental health and stress reduction and not about producing the same amount that we would produce in a five-day work week. We really recognized that we would take an 80% or 20% cut in, in sort of our output in that month. And then what we found when we sort of looked back at things at the end of May was we didn't necessarily take a you know, 20% cut in productivity. It was maybe like a 10% cut in productivity, which sort of then prompted us to say, well, the, the pandemic's still going. There's still a lot of stresses. There's there's still a lot of opportunity here. So maybe we could continue this um, in the long term. Amazing. And I think it's really important to make the um, make it really clear to our listeners that this was about stress reduction. This was about uh, mental health, uh, people's well-being. This isn't this isn't start as a Tim Ferriss four-day work week, like how to be super amazing in four days and produce more and really really effective. This was this was about taking the foot off the gas a little bit and giving people space to breathe. Absolutely, um, and then ironically, I think right now we are trying to shift it a little bit to now. Um, like I said, we saw not a huge productivity dip. And so we were, then the question and the experiment became, can we still get as much done in four days as we, as we typically do in five, um, if we are going into this very intentionally? Sure. And we're going to come to that. We'll unpack that uh, in a little bit. Um, (laughs) So let's just start sort of looking as a whole at this idea, this policy idea. Do you think there's a business um, knowing what you know now about a four-day work week, do you think it gives you a competitive edge um, as an organization? I think to some extent, I think it can help set the stage for some of the values that we believe in, um, that, you know, flexible mindset, the ability to adapt, um, the the sort of need to kind of work extra hard in those four days to get as much done so that you can really rest on those that long weekend and take a, fri- a, a Friday totally off. Um, so I think for us, it also then just sort of creates um, a perception about what buffer stands for and how we, how we want to work. Um, and so I think that's helpful. I think too, that, you know, there are a lot more companies going remote these days. And so there, there does need to be a little bit of a, 
I think, clarification around like how we work versus how other people might work online um, or remotely. And so I think that's helpful. And I think, um, I think too, again, it's, it's maybe not one of those things that we for sure know is going to stick around. But again, it speaks to that experimentation and um, testing theories and being willing to succeed or fail. Um, and we're always very um, welcoming of ad- admitting that we failed and we'll share that. We'll, we'll write a blog post about it. You know, if, um, if we see something that doesn't work out, it's like, well, at least we can write an interesting blog post about it, which, you know, I think that that means then we definitely learned something and still have something to show for it. Yeah, please. Please don't stop writing your blog posts because <laughs> I will stop. I'll stop. I'll stop learning if you do that. Plus, there's like loads of mistakes that you've made, which meant that we've not had to make those. So I'm I'm very appreciative of that. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the interesting things that I've heard from um, people leaders, the HR community over the pandemic is when we think about retention, there's been kind of two schools of thought. There's been, I think, a kind of um, uh, a primary school of thought, which is that all jobs and roles are very valuable in this time. Um, and, uh, you know, in a moment when people are uh, being made redundant and losing jobs, I think, uh, you know, people who have roles feel grateful. Um, however, I do think there's also been an undercurrent of maybe people stepping away from roles and organisations where there's been a slightly toxic culture or toxic environment, or there wasn't a clear focus on emotional well-being, mental health, and because that's been exposed during the pandemic, right? It's been really obvious the organisations that are paying lip service to the stuff, all the people that have policies and processes to really support their teams. Do you feel like um, you've benefited from a retention perspective during the pandemic? Do you think you're your team feel more glued, more um, connected to Buffer because of this policy? That's a great one. I I think that uh, this in particular, and I think a lot of the communications we internally shared, um, also externally shared those on our blog, um, around um, how we approached um, just times and stress and productivity within the, especially the early part of the pandemic, um, really did put our values to the test. And I think that one thing we did hear, especially a lot last year, was how um, how our values were on display during those times. And so I think it really did. Um, and then we, we have seen a, a little bit more turnover at the end of the year because I think that's sort of natural. It's like natural to sort of like go into a new year with um, moving on to a new company and, and all of that. And even with those departures, we've seen nothing but really genuine respect and admiration and gratitude for the policies and the way that we've lived our values and people have been leaving for very healthy reasons, especially around, you know, moving into a different industry or or whatever feels best for them. Um, So I think that it has, because again, I really feel like it does sort of speak to a lot of different values within the company and how, um, and how we're evolving there. Um, We are still, I think working on a lot of different things and clarifying productivity expectations and clarifying how hard we want people to work um, within those four days. And then also then if like maybe you need to work a couple hours on the fifth day, then like that's okay if we're pushing towards um, meaningful company goals. Um, And so one component um, that we rolled out at the end of 2020 that we didn't have all 
in earlier 2020 was um, company OKRs and area level OKRs. So that is something that's adding a little bit of pressure. Um, I tend to think it's healthy pressure, like a healthy amount of stress, um, as we're now a month into um, Q1 of 2021. So that's something we're still trying to figure out the right balance and and all of that as well. But I still think at the end of the day um, that, yeah, overall, I think it has helped with uh, retention and, again, just exemplifying what we believe as a company. Really nice. And, and you kind of touched on um, performance there. And so I, th- I think we should we should sort of talk about it. You know, you said at the top of the show in kind of introducing the policy that there hasn't been a noticeable impact uh, on performance. You know, that was at the time. Do you still believe that now? And and maybe maybe let's think about you personally. What, how does your performance feel? Do you feel as you look at the work that you do week on week, like you're still delivering at the level is re- is re- that is required? Like what's been your experience of it from a performance perspective? Yeah, we did look at a lot of the data. We looked especially at like amount of lines coded or amount of time spent coding for our engineers in um and found it was very comparable to the same time the year before. And, and that's really interesting. Um, and there is just a lot of anecdotal, like, I feel more productive. I feel like I work a little harder. I cut out some of the fluff. I'm reworking some of my habits to accommodate the four-day work week. Um, and that that's feeling really good. So, um, yes, yeah, so it's really interesting. The the sticking point has been um, for our customer support staff where, um, you know, sometimes ticket volume is absolutely something that maybe does require just extra time spent in front of the computer to, to sort of reach um, goals. Uh, but we're still working on a specific kind of expectation around, like, if you complete this many tickets, then, um, like, that's a, a full work week for you because it's hard when the when the job never ends um, versus having project-based work where you can see noticeable milestones and things like that. So, um, yeah, so that's something we're still kind of evolving and, and understanding. Um, personally, I've always felt really good with, um, and I've really embraced flexible work. Um, I have two uh, toddler um, boys, and so I tend to uh, sometimes take an afternoon and then maybe work a little bit in the evening after they're in bed so that I can just be around them more often. That's been one of my, um, you know, just one of the reasons I value remote work and working from home um, so much. So I think it's great. I tend to also, um, and we offered this for all of our teammates um, and, and really encourage it. I tend to do five shorter days versus four longer days. Um, and we don't also, a side note, we don't ask people to do four tens. We, we ask around four eights. Um, we wanted to make that differentiation too. Um, so yeah, I tend to do five shorter days um, and I'll wrap up a few tasks on Friday because um, Fridays are our company-wide day off. Um, there's also a lot of other anecdotal evidence or other anecdotal stories I hear from people who like to pop in on a Friday and get a little bit done where there's no Slack chatter, there's no meetings scheduled. It's really, you can zone in and really get some deep work done um, so that's been a fun perk that we hadn't really anticipated, but people are really loving those who who jump in on Fridays, really love it. Yeah, it's nice. I, I can't remember if you've done this before. Have you ever tried the sort of no, I mean, you're doing it now, obviously, but <laughs> previously, did you have no meeting days? Was that a thing that you'd ever experimented with? 
We did on an engineering only level. They had Deep Work Wednesdays, um, which was very good. Um, but I, I mean, I even was guilty of sometimes um, Slack DMing an engineer on a Wednesday and forgetting because it was only in engineering versus me on the people team. I just sort of forgot. So I don't think it was as successful. And and that's something we've seen uh, company-wide is that when we have um, like the entire company closed for a day, like then people really do feel like they can disconnect. So for our holiday break, we we close Christmas Eve to New Year's and it's like everyone's offline um, except for rotating on call engineers and rotating um, advocates. And that really gives you that freedom to be offline versus if like you have a public holiday in your country and everyone else is online, you might be tempted to check in Slack. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's really helpful when you have that sort of all or nothing mentality, I think um, just gives you that permission. Yeah, it's that kind of forcing function. We we um yes. <laughs> yeah we, we do the same with with Christmas and New Year. I think you know the world slows down a little bit, and I think it's just a great opportunity to say, hey everyone, just have some time to really disconnect, and and we'll rotate through responsibilities to make sure that the site doesn't go down, and and that customers that need support have, have got it. But other than that, um you know take some time to to really disconnect. What are some of the perceived like negative side effects of this or impacts that you're seeing um, on the culture? What are the things that, you know, maybe haven't gone as well as you would have liked them to have? Yeah, I think there was, um, and something we're still working through is the the sort of expectation around like how much to get done um, and and how much time to allocate to other things, uh, you know, like where, like, where does that, um, that extra flex time for maybe learning and development come in when you're sort of maybe really focused on, on just getting your tasks done for four days. And so, um, and so some of that clarification is something that we're still working on. Um, and then I think too, with the, um, advocate or customer advocates, they also really sort of needed that clarity about how this applies to them. Um, and how we still are able to offer this great benefit to our employees while still making sure that our customers are being um, responded to in in a good way because we don't want we don't want our customers to suffer because our employees are finally are are less stressed in that way. I think that would even have the converse effect of our advocates being stressed if our customers are less happy. So um, trying to find that right balance is something that's been a little tricky. Um, and then I think too just even having, there's a lot of pressure here on managers to then communicate what the priorities are and what expectations are and what should get done in a week. So, um, you know, projects that can maybe easily be pushed off sometimes might if um, you reach that Thursday afternoon and um, and kind of just ran out of time. Um, so there's a lot of independent accountability that needs to be done, but also then communication with managers to make sure that these projects are being moved in the right direction. Um, we've done a lot of work around a transparent internal um, like database within um, a tool we use called Notion to track projects and goals. And also then our OKRs are tracked in there as well. Um, people will update the status. They'll make notes on them. They'll link to relevant um, paper documents and other things to sort of keep a transparent to-do list amongst every um, department, which has been really helpful. And that's another piece of 
tracking and a data piece that we didn't have before with our earlier four-day workweek times. And so this might reveal to us a little bit more of like how much is getting done. We won't have necessarily as much to compare it to because it's a new system that we rolled out during the four-day workweek experiment. But I still think we'll be able to see things and better understand and even compare maybe like, you know, one area compared to another and sort of how that feels. So um, yeah, I think there's, um, I think one other thing that uh, we're going to kind of keep an eye on is perhaps if this is too intense or if people do maybe need to sort of do the like five shorter days or, um, you know, maybe uh, it's, it's a strange like dependency on like hours. And I understand how there's this culture of, you know, working an eight hour, nine hour a day and, and how that evolved. Um, but breaking that tradition and that dependency is a little bit of work and trying to get out of that mindset, I think is a little bit of work too. And, and making it about making sure you got your stuff done versus making sure you spent eight hours in your chair in front of your computer. So I think we'll have work to do on that. And I, th- and I think that's super healthy. And I feel like that's the way that things are shifting anyway. You know, hours is a really, really bad way to measure <laughs> results and outcomes. Um, uh, I think there's there's lots of good reading and research on that. And I think, you know, we are shifting to more, um, we're shifting to workplaces and cultures where there's more ownership on the individual to get things done in a way that makes sense for them. Something I did kind of pick up on what you were saying is that there's clearly a lot more responsibility on managers and leaders to be really strong communicators and and create the right, set the right context. Um, I often say that having policies that really focus on the individual, focus on flexibility, focus on helping the individual get the most out of work, actually take way more effort from managers and leaders, right? it's, It's a much easier thing to say, I expect you to sit in your chair for eight hours every single day. And that is what success looks like. It's so much easier to do that. Much harder to say, I'm going to set the context for what's important, what's not. I'm going to set objectives and key results. And you're going to have the flexibility to make stuff happen in a way that works for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think too, um, we sometimes have have folks who want freedom to just get that work done however they, however they see fit. And we have other people who want very explicit boundaries and guidelines and sort of guardrails to help them stay, you know, on track. Um, and so finding a way to sort of meet in the middle to to not be micromanaging to that one person who wants total freedom and then not um, too fluid for that person who wants more structure um, is a tricky balance. And there's, you know, it's, it's a really fun, I think, challenge to try to solve because we have a lot of, um, you know, location diversity and cultural diversity within our company being, um, I think we're across 16 different um, countries now. So um, yeah, it's really, it's a great thing, um, but it does present some unique situations. Um, And then, yes, I think like asking managers to to do all of that in addition to um, like we have them do weekly one-on-ones with all of their direct reports, which is well, you know, that that in and of itself is a time commitment. And and then, you know, also do project work because we're all very um, hands-on. 
and team. just <laughs> and just survive during a pandemic, yes. right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot for sure. Yeah, I think that was you know when I think about maybe what some of the challenges might be. That was definitely one of the things that I that came to my mind was making sure you don't have situations where people are really racing and pushing themselves hard for four days, crashing for three and then doing it again. You know, when we first talked about this, I kind of used a running analogy of if if you run 10 kilometers over hills versus 10 kilometers on the flat, even though when you're running over hills, you go up and then you go down, it's the running up and the running down that actually really tires your legs versus versus on the flat. And I think typically I've always favoured trying to create a cadence within an organisation that is consistent and maintainable. Um, and definitely one of the things that I worry about with a, with a four-day work week is, you know, how do you ensure people aren't, you know, really having to push super hard for four days and that they can create that balance, I guess. Yeah, I think that is a really um, perfect analogy for it. And I think it's something that um, I think we want to watch for and compare data from like stress levels and autonomy and things like that from early pandemic to to now and and hopefully like in a year from now, how that feels. Um, I think it's interesting too. And we've tried to set the stage for this. Um, A lot of us have spent our whole careers creating habits and expectations around a five-day work week. And so um, one thing that we wanted to make really clear was that we don't expect necessarily to get it right in the course of a week, a month, or even maybe a year. It might take take a long time to sort of break those habits and expectations um, because we as a culture have been so dependent on working Monday through Fridays. Um, So yeah, I think that might take some some exhausting hill runs. Um, but I want to get to the point where, um, I think in my mind, I think this really exemplifies what Buffer has always lived by, which is flexible work. So finding the schedule that fits you best. And, um, and we aren't forcing people to only work for it. <laughs> like if, if they need that fifth day to do a little bit of overflow work um, in a healthy manner and and it, it you know puts them in a good place, then that's totally great. So making sure that this is sustainable, I think is something that we'll have to really keep an eye on. Yeah. And I love what you say there, you know, you're talking about choice and giving people choice. And I think, I think that's what we're going to see more and more of. And, and, and I guess talking about that, what we've just been through over the last 12 months, what we're going through now with COVID-19 with, you know, many organizations being forced to work remotely, being, being forced to work out of the office do you think that policies like a four-day work week are going to become more important, more popular, more sort of avant-garde? Do you think we're going to see more people trying this kind of thing over the next uh, couple of years? I hope so. I think um, I think this definitely has to be something that you, as a company, opt into and have leadership support from all levels. Um, one of the biggest things Buffer has going is that our CEO has really pushed for this and really advocated it and really felt the benefits himself. And so that has been really helpful for us. Um, But the same with sort of forcing people into a remote work situation. If you're not ready, if you're not in the right mindset, um, then it can kind of go, I think, askew. Um, I also really believe that remote work is harder 
um, than in-person work. We talked about this a little bit with like, you know, expecting people to clock in and clock out is, is an easy way to manage versus having to see results and approve it and communicate. We over-communicate and it's so much more work to to write a long announcement versus just drop by someone's office and, and stick your head in the door and say, hey, don't forget this. Um, so I think that, I think there's bound to be a couple different backlashes to being all forced to work remotely. I think a lot of people will realize this is great and this is an option for a lot of industries and, and sort of the way of the future. But it's also then not maybe the best thing for everyone. Um, and we've had discussions with teammates who um, came from a non-remote company and then maybe they realized like, no, I really do want that in-person office environment. Um, and so this isn't where I'm happiest and most successful. So I think there's a little bit of acknowledging yourself, acknowledging your company, acknowledging sort of where you are in that adaptation of remote work or future work or autonomy for your teammates. Um, So I think for some companies it might work. It might evolve really naturally. I think when you're working from home and you take the Friday afternoon off because you're done for the day, even though um, like maybe it's not an official thing, like that's, that's dipping in your toe into the water a little bit right there anyway of, of that flexible work of, of a shorter work week of just worrying about getting your, your things done and moved ahead. Um, so I'm hoping that it, it does become more of a trend and, and utilized in a way that's definitely an opt-in model. Um, cause I think that will be more successful in the long run. So, you know, to summarize, there's performance <laughs> benefits, there's, there's attraction benefits from people wanting to come and work for your organization. It definitely keeps people in the room and in the business, but it comes with a word of warning, right? Like yeah. policies like this are not for the faint-hearted. And it's funny because I I kind of feel like, and I don't know if you find this, Nicole, with people that I speak to externally who maybe don't understand people ops, culture crafting, whatever you want to call it. You know, when I say, oh, we're we're, we're, we've got this policy, we've got that policy that, that sound on the outset really team-friendly and really employee-friendly. I think there's the misconception that that kind of makes our lives easier or our, our work environments, I'm going to use the word soft, but I'm going to use it sparingly, as in, um, oh, that sounds like a really sort of cushy and easy and nice place to work. But actually, as you just as you just relayed, it requires so much extra effort and input and drive to be successful when you're using policies like this, right? It requires managers and leaders to really step up. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good that we acknowledge that there are trade-offs. Um, so, you know, working from home is really great because you have the ability to pop out and see your family or to like go walk your dog throughout the day. You don't have to pay for a dog sitter, whatever that is. Um, but there are, there's a lot of work that goes into crafting boundaries, crafting healthy, you know, ways to like not be online all of the time um, and and all of that. And so there's, there's trade-offs in other ways. There's that mental weight of seeing your computer and feeling like you should work maybe on the weekend. And, um, and so, yeah, I think it's about making sure that we, have those discussions and aren't afraid of of sort of acknowledging that things are hard in different ways and that everyone has a unique struggle within their role. It just might look different for different people. Um, and even within like our remote company, um, an engineer has different responsibilities and weight than maybe a customer support um, advocate who 
um, you know, has a lot different demands on their time as well. Um, and then someone who is more able to do project-based work um, and maybe more freely take the four-day work week um, might at times have tougher deadlines or something that they need to stick to and then maybe needs to work overtime during that week. Um, overtime in air quotes, I guess, um, to, to make sure that that's um, done and wrapped up. Um, and that can be a seasonal sort of thing. So yeah, there's, there's costs and, and benefits. Yeah, and it's a nuance, right? And I think great organizations, great cultures, they understand that nuance and they work and strive um, to, uh, to allow that flexibility dependent on the person, the situation, the role, the responsibilities. It's so important. It's all people are different. There is no policy that is perfect for everyone. It's never one size fits all. Yes, yes. I had to learn that in my own um, HR journey. Um, I think the hardest thing for me was learning that I can't make everyone happy. Um, like my strengths finder, strength is harmony, and I'm just a people pleaser at the core. And so like I have like had to really push for that. And and we've heard that even, you know, people some people are not happy about having a four-day work week, believe it or not. So, you know, again, that's where we give it flexibility and and understand that, yeah, you can't make everyone happy even with a, a four-day work week. Mm, and also low-key shout out for Strengths Finder. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> go, go and buy that book on Amazon. Because um, Nicole doesn't have a book yet and I don't have a book yet. Maybe one day we write a book together. Who knows? Um, hey, let's talk about how we kind of operationalize this. And, and, you know, there are a policy has so many different ramifications in terms of your processes that are going to support it, how it works with, with people. I think, and obviously some policies are going to work for individuals that they're not going to work for others. I wonder if a policy like a four-day work week changes the type of people a business needs to hire? Yeah, it's a great one. I think for um, for us, we hire with um, these sort of uh, traits in mind. We want people who are individually motivated. We want people who are accountable, um, who communicate very well and very thoroughly. Um, and so that was sort of baked into our culture a little bit from the start. Um, and, but again, we still had some, some ups and downs with implementing this. Um, and so the policy itself had to be a little bit, um, finessed and clear and clarified and then re-clarified and, and all of that. Um, but I do think that a lot of the traits that make people successful in remote work can really work with a a four day work week. Um, you know, just over communicating, being um, very attention, you know, very focused on attention to detail and all of that, I think is very important. Yeah, nice. Have you adapted adapted your hiring processes at all to kind of factor this in? Not exactly, because again, I think it, I think we had already sort of covered what what we would want for someone, and we've also we also are going into this and and making the the kind of qualification that. This might not be forever. <laughs> the the four day work week might be just a one year experiment. It might have been an eight month experiment. Um, it could be a two year experiment. Um, and and I think then for for us at Buffer, then that does also attract someone who maybe is okay with a little bit of um, ambiguity and okay with things changing. Um, you know, sometimes unexpectedly. Sometimes we give as much warning as possible. Um, but I think that that's been helpful too. So as we do bring new hires in, we say, hey, we're doing a four-day work week right now. Um, so here's how we can adapt to it. Um, and then sort of kind of have that caveat of this is um, an experiment and a trial and perhaps not permanent. Nice. 
I love that. Um, so trying to kind of go a level deeper, what are maybe the two or three processes that you think an organization would need to change to support a policy like this? Because on its own, as we've discussed, it's probably not going to work. It's not going to be very effective. You need to back it up with how you're running and thinking about your organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for us, um, we have a value and a, and a deep history with um, transparency, internal transparency and external transparency. And so having a lot of information available within to the team and within the team, um, having a history of sharing things asynchronously. So it's not an in-person meeting. You can share it in a document that maybe is a running document people can comment on. Um, things like that are helpful because you have one less day to collaborate. And for us too, we even have time zones at play. So there's maybe only three days of overlap for some people who might work together. Um, If one's in Europe and one's in uh, Australia, then there's just a whole lot less um, opportunity to to even have any sort of in-person meeting. Um, So I think having asynchronous systems, um, having internal transparency, um, we've set up that internal dashboard in Notion to help sort of show where like progress is being done and where projects are at. And that way, um, if I'm interested in collaborating with someone, I can sort of do the homework ahead of time to know what that team is working on or, or what other things are at play. And so I'm not, I'm using their time as efficiently as possible. Um, I think the other big thing that might really need to be in place is having a culture of, um, making decisions in a, in a healthy way and sort of moving fast and having a bias towards action on certain things rather than waiting a day for someone to respond to a question that you might have had. Um, because then, you know, if there's two questions asked over the course of three or four days, that's an entire week that something maybe didn't get pushed forward. Um, and there's certainly times where that's maybe appropriate on maybe a bigger decision or a bigger impact project. Um, but being able to give people independence and autonomy to make decisions within their role and their scope and and move fast is, is really helpful so that you're not um, pushing things off a week or two or even three. Um, and we'll be really evaluating those results at the end of Q1 based on our, our OKRs, which were, I think, set on ambitious um, five-day work week sort of terms. Um, so we'll have that sort of, you know, evaluation um, at the end of the quarter. Nice. Well, I'm excited for that. Um, and it's worth saying that there's going to be a blog on uh, the initial learnings from Four Day Work Week. Correct? Yes, there will. It should be, um, I think, in the next week or two. So hopefully, maybe out before uh, before the podcast even comes out. And we share everything um, on our company blog, um, everything culture related and people team related and. Um, company earnings and all of that uh, at open.buffer.com. So you can see a lot of history there. And um, yeah, we've we've done lots of wild experiments over the years. <laughs> and Nicole said the word experiment a bunch of times. And I just want to say that is such an important um, word when it comes to thinking about culture, right? Culture in many ways is a big experiment. It is not a static thing. It evolves, it adapts over time and experimenting with your people, your policies and your processes to craft your culture so that it really works for you and delivers value is like such an important lesson, I think. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for sharing that. So uh, three things I wanted to summarize at the end of that. 
you know, the processes you need to think about if you're going to consider adopting a four-day work week. Transparency of information, um, some ability to allow teams and individuals um, uh, to make decisions so that they've, they've got all that context, they can kind of run at full speed. And then some kind of format for determining what success looks like and very cool that Buffer are going to go with OKRs. So I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, and with those wise words, those wise lessons, we're going to bring today's episode uh, to a close. Uh, I need to say a huge thank you to Nicole for joining us today. Thank you so much. We, uh, I really appreciate you giving up the time for this. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'm happy to report back when uh, we've done some more evaluation on the four-day work week. <laughs> we will do it. It's a date. Um, I want to say also a big shout out to uh, my friend James, who uh, runs a business called Encore, who are currently um, uh, experimenting with a four-day work week. And he put me onto Buffer and he said, go and speak to them. I want to, I want to know what's working and what's not. So he's going to be excited to listen to this episode. Um, and as ever, a big thank you to Mel, our producer, sitting behind that virtual glass, keeping the show on the road. To all of you listening along, wherever you are, we really appreciate you. And if you appreciate us, uh, please think about leaving us a review. Head to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. Um, it will make my day or make my week. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. <laughs>